The following Bible study is from the teaching ministry of First Baptist Church of Royal City, Washington. For more studies and information, go to graceteaching.net. And now, here's our Bible study. Soup is on fire. Yeah, we get done praying and Jim looks up and half the audience is gone down there. Okay. Okay. Well, good morning, everyone. And uh, thank you, Jim, for that. Thanks for thanks for the songs. Awesome. So what a great fall day as we kick this off. Uh, yeah, Tim asked me last week and appreciate everybody filling in for him. And appreciate, man, I appreciate our pastor. Appreciate his heart and his willingness to go and, and be with the family. And these are doing the, the hard things. You know what I mean? Is you get older in life, all of a sudden the dads and the moms and the grandmas and grandpas, uh, there's the, re- the recession, right? Where life just gets harder and we're all going to face it at some point or another, some with greater stamina and ability and others, you just can't control it. So um, I appreciate Tim being there for his dad and his mom and all those things. Uh, so this weekend, man, I'll tell you what, I told the kids on the way to church, I said, this feels like a three-day weekend because Friday was packed. We took Aram and the cross-country guys, had a great time. We went bowling. And I'll tell you what, bowling's pretty fun. I think I average bowling like once every two years, maybe I'll go to go to a bowling alley and I forget how fun it is. It's fun to just take a, something heavy and just throw it at stuff, you know, <laughs> like free of charge. And so we went with the and, and so one of our assistant coaches, Rodrigo Fajardo, he's a good bowler. Uh, he and I teach PE together. And part of his college preparatory program, PE is a really rigorous major. You got to really study hard for these finals, was bowling. And uh, so he took a semester of bowling and he's really good. He can spin it, you know, and, and he was telling me, he's like, yeah, I, you know, I, I average, I don't know. I don't want to brag too much, but like maybe 180. I was like, 180. I think I've bowled over 140 once in my life. So we go there and I get this ball and I start bowling and I'm, and I'm lighting it up kind of uh, that this night with these guys. I bowl up. I bowl 175 and I tell, I tell these guys, I'm like, I've never done this before. Like I'm in the zone right now. This ball and I, we are one. And, and I, I texted a picture of my score to my, my parents and my wife. And I was like, Holy cow, 44. I can't run as fast. I can't bench as much, but apparently my bowling game is coming on. And, and then the next game I bowl a 183 and I'm like, I'm going to buy this ball. I'm going to literally, or I'm going to steal it. One of the, something's going to happen here. So I take a picture of this ball because they code him. I was like, if anybody's ever in Moses, like find this ball. It's magic. So then I get home and my family says, Hey, let's go bowling. I was like, okay. All right. I was, you know, I was trying to finish the message up. So let me make sure that this gets hopefully solid. And so we went last night, we went yesterday again. I've never gone bowling twice, you know, back to back. I don't think in my life. So we go bowling and guess what I go look for? The ball. And I find it. I'm like, oh, I got it. You know, I got this ball. It's a 15 pounder. And we bowl the first game and it was pretty, pretty good. The or- I'm not gonna lie. The Orth family does pretty good. We're okay. Grant, the bumpers came up for some of the younger ones, but uh, Lindsay bowls a 175. I know a 175. I, that's what I'm saying. So she stole this yellow ball. We own, no, I'm kidding. So Okay, so we get, I, I bowl 145 and I'm feeling pretty good. Like, that's still a good game for me. That's like a top five all time, you know, for sure. And then the second game, something happens. Lane, uh, frame one, strike. Two, strike. Three, strike. This is my game. Four, strike. I'm like, what is going on here? 
I've never got more than two strikes, you know, besides the other night with the cross country kids. Fifth frame, strike. And I'm, I'm now I'm like, this is pressure. Like all these points I got right now, you know? And uh, sixth frame, strike. And I'm thinking, people are gonna start looking at this and they're gonna shut down the alley and put a strobe light on lane 12. And then, you know, I don't know if I, um, it's the ball. I could have just gone like this. I could have gone like you know. And I don't know if, uh, if it was the pressure that got to me or just like, this is how I normally bowl. But I got, I got an eight in, in the seventh frame. I hit a two, I just messed up. And then I got six. So the strikes ended. And then the eighth frame, I got a strike. The ninth frame, I got, I got another eight. The 10th frame, I get a spare. So I get that extra. So in all, I only missed five pins the whole time. So I got a 213. I know. I text my parents like, I might quit my day job and this might happen. All right. That was just a fun intro. Okay, let's pray and let's, let's get into the Bible. All right. Father God, thank you for all the fun that we get to have with our families, with friends and uh, just doing life. And thank you for uh, the things that Jim shared this morning, just about wanting to handle your word accurately. And it's not so we can be big brainiacs walking around, but it's so that you can empower us to live the Christian life. So as we look at this topic today of coming alongside each other, I pray that you would actually challenge us, challenge our hearts to say, hey, who are the people in my sphere right now? And probably a lot of them are in this room um, and outside of it that I can come alongside uh, and encourage and build up and edify. So we pray that you do the work, pray that you be honored and glorified. Amen. Okay. Is he a bowler? I want to go with him now. I mean, I almost want to get a shirt, you know, get a glove. I don't even know. Yeah, I know. This has its own little, like, you know, group thing. I did talk to my brother, one last one. I talked to my brother and I said, what's your best score ever? And he, he my brother did take bowling in college as well. Took it, he took first semester bowling. This is my twin brother who's a pastor now took first semester bowling. And then he said, and I noticed that toward the end of that, that the teacher never took role. So he goes, so I actually showed up for second semester. I didn't enroll in the class. I just bowled. And he said, sorry, God about that. But so he actually got pretty good. He, he, he had a number of games over 200. Okay, here we go. So uh, we're going to talk about coming alongside. I was, I was uh, reflecting on this pastor, Steve, who's actually a Baptist pastor. And he shared uh, a number of years ago, this story <laughs> about do you remember when you were a neighborhood kid maybe guys uh we, we lived on an air force base for part of it and then as a kid i lived in my little neighborhood and uh like the neighborhood was the neighborhood out here in royal's a little different like where we live it's like three houses is our neighborhood you know and but when i was a kid man you'd hop on your bike and you'd go and you'd you'd and we'd get these games and this this neighborhood friend of mine sam hess his dad built a mini hockey rink he was his dad was pretty wealthy a hockey rink with full boarded edges and we do that in the winter and then he uh and he put a what was that little like nerf it was this type of baseball bat that you could buy it was a set and you could like you know it wasn't metal it wasn't wooden and, and he built this this backyard baseball stadium and we would play these games and we play these games and uh for hockey we we had this rule when i was a sixth grader you always had to have one fight like somebody had to get in a fight and we, but we'd have all of our winter stuff on. And so, you know, you get out there and pretty soon you're punching each other in the ribs and 
And then you're like, where are we going to go ride our bikes? You know, or whatever. Um, but Pastor Steve shared this story when he was a, uh, when he was a kid, they had this, this legend in the neighborhood. His name was Bob Torrance and Bob, he was the biggest, the fastest, the strongest. And, uh, he was the stud. And, and when you pick these teams, like as a PE teacher, I very rarely, I, I don't do this ha as a habit. I don't go, Aaron, you're team captain one. And you know, whoever your team, I don't do that. And I don't do it because I, I, I'm sympathetic toward those kids at the end. They're standing there and there's, you know, they're whittling them down. You know, I, I actually think about that uh, cognitively and think I don't want to put, so I typically choose. And the way I do it is I, if I'm going to put Aaron on one team, I, I then choose somebody near his ability and put them on the other team. And I just randomize it that way. And the kids don't really think about it. But pastor Steve was telling a story about how they, they got together for a hockey game when he was uh, younger. And he said, I was in junior high. And he goes, I was a little chunky kid. And uh, I thought, oh, gosh, here we go. And he said, but Bob Torrance showed up that day. And Bob, he didn't come to all of our stuff because he was so much better than us. He was, like, doing elite things. But he came to this little neighborhood, get together for hockey. And, of course, Bob was team captain number one. And some other guy was team captain two. And, and Steve said, oh, here we go. You know, here comes the humiliation factor. He goes, to my amazement, Bob said, Steve, you're on my team. He's like, what? And then he goes, and then Bob called me this and I'll never forget. Stevie wonder, come on over here, Stevie wonder. And, uh, and he was so excited, you know, he's like, I'm on Bob's team. And he goes, and then I thought maybe he chose me cause I'm kind of chunky and I can kind of fill up the goal a little more. <laughs> and he goes, and I did play goalie, but nonetheless, I'm on Bob's team. And, and Bob said, you got this Stevie wonder. He said, I, I do have this maybe, you know, and they started playing this hockey game and Steve made some blocks, you know, you, he shoveled the, the puck out and, uh, and Bob would go, nice block, Stevie Wonder. Yeah, thanks. thanks, legend Bob, you know, and they kept playing this game. And then he said, and then, and then I let a couple squirt, squirt through and, uh, and Bob was, hey, that's on us. We got to have better defense. You keep playing. And he said at the end of the game, I thought, wow, you know, it, he, he encouraged me the whole game. He came alongside me and, and uh, that just lifted him. And I think, you know, as that was my opening illustration, isn't it great to have people that come alongside and they encourage you and they lift you up because the opposite stinks. If you've ever been there where somebody's discouraging you or, or always critical or cynical. Um, and there's a lot of things in the Bible, you guys, that talk about us coming alongside. I mean, that's really the crux of the Christian walk. Uh, part of it is it's not, so I have this part of me vertical with God. And then I have this part that's like, to be outward lived with all of you and others. And uh, so that's what we're gonna talk about today. This has been, when Tim asked me last week, hey, would you cover? Um, I, I'm not like Josh Fanning's like covering. Josh whips out a briefcase and he's got 48 messages loaded like in a moment's notice. That's not me, I don't have those. So I was thinking, oh my God, what have you actually been kind of putting onto my heart lately? And um, some of the things that I've been kind of mentally working through and, and prayerful about it. one of them is Josh and Jolene and God just keeps bringing them back. And I'm like, how can I from a distance, uh, let them know that I'm right there with them. And, um, if I'm honest, this one's hit me a lot harder than some. In fact, we had a tragedy in our community recently. And for whatever reason, I wasn't as, I almost felt bad. I wasn't as rocked by it. You know, like sometimes you hear you guys will share some things and I don't know the people and it doesn't like pull on my heartstrings, but it's pulling on yours. So that's important to you. And so I want, I want it to be important to me as well. But uh, this whole Josh and Jolene thing is just kind of close, uh, having been on the top of mountains with him and doing hard things. And, and um, yeah, it's just been really hard. 
And so how can I come alongside? And I've been trying to every now and then just send him a Bible verse that's about our hope, like to try to give him hope in a time where it seems hopeless and just remind him, hey, your daughter is in good hands. She's in the best hands. Uh, it's hard on our end. But and then this other uh, young man that thank you for praying, uh, Jim, for him. Uh, his sister was a student of mine years ago, and she Facebooked my wife. And she said, hey, can you, can you get a hold of uh, Ben? My brother wants to talk to him. And, uh, you know, she kind of said he's in a bad spot. So I said, yeah, give her my number. She calls and she tells me a story. She says, hey, he's going, I'm not going to tell you the details of it, but he's, he's, you know, he's talking about hurting himself. And anytime I hear that now, it's like, okay, or drop everything you have and be available uh, just because of things that happen in our community. And so you know, how can I best come alongside this kid and what you be praying for? Cause this guy finally said, he doesn't know anything about God. I mean, really, he told me like, he goes, I don't know anything about God, but I, I think that I'm, I'd like to learn something. So he's kind of agreed to do a little investigation into the Christian worldview. And we were supposed to meet Friday. I was going to leave during my prep and go down there for 45 minutes. And, and he ended up uh, having something else come up, but be praying. I'm trying to Try not just to help him through the hard thing, but to, to offer that hope that will extend into the next hard things because life's going to be a series of, of these experiences. Um, so be praying for him on that. Okay, here we go. So today we're going to uh, get into the Bible, get ready to get your Bibles ready, okay? We're going to look at some scripture about coming alongside, and then we're going to look at uh, Barnabas and this guy in this, the Bible who maybe you know his story, maybe you don't. We won't look at every scripture with him, but this case study of a guy that came alongside and, and did some encouraging things. Okay. So I'm going to start off with a few reasons, three reasons why Christians need to come alongside people and help. Um, take your Bibles and go to uh, the book of John. We'll start here. Go to the book of John chapter 15. And as you're flipping to, to John 15, here we go. Uh, again, our topic coming alongside. So just be letting God work on you in these Verses And my hope is that you're going to start to think about some people in your life that you can come alongside, that you can send a text message to, that you can call, that you, that you can write a, a note to, that you can go visit. Um, but it, in John 15, <coughs> um, well, before that, there's a point in Jesus' earthly ministry, right, where they come up and they're kind of testing him, trying to see what he says. And they say, hey, what's the greatest commandment? And and he says, you know, to, one of the things he says is, well, according to Old Testament, is to love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, he quotes, you know, like, or he, that's from Leviticus, I think, chapter 19. But then as, as you move toward the end of Jesus' life, uh, and he starts to give, he starts to pull those closest to him, and he starts to give them some of that truth that applies to you and I, not just about loving your neighbor, but even beyond that, or, or to a greater extent. Look at uh, John chapter 15, verses 12 and 13. He says, my command is... Again, verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his soul, for his friends. You know, Jesus was obviously the, the greatest example. I mean, Jesus took his love to the point of death. And not many of us are going to be asked to do that. Um, we certainly can't die for sins. Um, but, but he took it all the way. And I think as we are Christians, we really don't, don't, I don't do this. I don't really lay down my life all the time for my friends, uh, for my family. 
I could do a better job on this. So one of the things about why should we come alongside? It's a way to show love. It's a way to show love. Take your Bibles and go to Galatians chapter five. Again, we're going to look at a number of passages. So stay with me. Galatians chapter five. Why should we come alongside people? Number one, it's a way to show love. Galatians chapter five and verse 13. In verse 13, it says, you, my brothers, so we're talking to believers here, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature, rather serve one another in love. You know, right, when I talk to, to, to high school kids that are maybe, that aren't, that aren't believers, one of the things they're really leery of is giving up this lifestyle because the Christian life seems to be, to them, oppressive and constrictive when it's really the opposite. Christian life is about freedom and uh, because you're not under under a law system, you're under grace and you're under, and you're, and you're under the umbrella of God. And uh, when, when my twin brother, speaking of him, not just, not just taking free bowling lessons in college, but when he was, uh, uh, when he was like a freshman sophomore, when we actually started going to church and, and he, he wrestled with becoming a Christian because he, and he told me this out loud. He's like, you know, man, I think I'm going to, you know, I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm, <laughs> I think I'm going to believe, uh, but he goes, but I, but when I go to college, I really want to live it up. And I remember him telling me this, like, I don't want to go to college and be just bored. Like, oh, there's nothing to do. I'm a Christian. Can't go out on a Friday night. I got to, you know, I'm kind of joking, but kind of not. He was actually like wrestling, like, and we weren't horrible, you know, whatever kind of kids, but this verse tells us, and, the, and my brother's found it to be totally opposite. Thank you, God, for rescuing me for myself and giving me this life that's abundant because it really is. Um, but we are to be, look at that, you guys, look at that verse 13, the back end of it, rather serve one another in love. And again, that love, uh, there you go. That's through the spirit. So the spirit's got to be producing that in you. That's what we're to do. So really cool. Uh, I get to watch Holland and my wife do this to each other. I get to watch a lot of you, but just this last weekend, Lindsay was over there helping Holland. Holland's come over our, our house in a lot of you have done this, but just serve each other in love. Make time, find out, hey, what are, you, what are you doing? How can I help? How can I come alongside? So everybody go get Carmen on Tuesday, get that dump truck loaded, shoot it right out, out into her front yard. How are we gonna do it? <laughs> yeah, get it all the way in there, okay. Is there a chimney we can, no, okay. Okay, um, number two. So number one, why should we come alongside? Because it's a way to show love. And we are called to serve. And honestly, we can get lazy. Like. There's a ball game on. By the way, I might try to watch the Seattle Mariners tonight. It's pretty close. They're almost going to make the playoffs. Like, this is historic. It's been a 20-year dumpster fire. Okay. But, I, but, but if something else comes up, I mean, or, right, we can get really selfish and just do our own things, but we really should be serving each other. I know you guys know this, but, let, but let's put these things in the Let's Mr. Orth put this thing into practice. Uh, number two, why should we come alongside? It's what the body life's all about. It's really what the Christian life's about. God didn't save us so that we could sit in isolation. Um, 
Take a look at 1 Corinthians. Go back in your Bible a couple books there to another of Paul's letters, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And again, these are things that God is working on with me. My wife does better at this a lot of times than I do as far as, you know, looking to serve, serving. We all have our own little windows of how we do it, we do it or whatever. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Now, we could spend time, and, and Josh Fanning has done in this in studies. Tim, uh, I'm sure Jim has as well. These are great verses. In fact, that's what happens when you start putting a Bible study together is you want to read like all of it, but we're just going to read a couple. Verse 12, it says the body. Now, my kiddos, check it out. It's not talking about like literally my finger, the whole body. The body is a unit though is made up of many parts. So here, God is inspiring uh, the author here to, to use this kind of metaphorically, this body illustration. It's made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with the Christ, okay? All believers with Christ as the head, we're part of this body. Skip on down to verse 26. Again, lots of good stuff in there. You can read that on your own time to see. But in verse 26, so, okay, so we're part of this body. Verse 26. If one part suffers, let me read it another way. If Josh and Jolene are suffering, let me put it another way. If Leslie Fanny is suffering, okay, every part suffers with it, right? This is why when Leslie shares sometimes, she's sharing about something she cares about, she's crying because she feels that and she's, it's tugging on her heartstrings and she's suffering alongside. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. So do you, do I, do we have this kind of compassion? Um, and I'm not saying fake it, right? But is it, do we, do we suffer? Uh, if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Every part rejoices with it. So two quick illustrations. Later. That suffering, I told you, we've told the story. When we flew into Papua New Guinea, and thank you guys and gals that came alongside us to help us do that for a year. When we flew in, I, I know I told you this, but maybe you forgot. Uh, we flew in from, you know, America to Asia to Papua New Guinea. When we got to the capital, Port Moresby, we had one connecting flight left from Port Moresby, Moresby up into the mountains of Garoka, where we were going to be centered. And it's uh, less than an hour flight. We got there. We got off this smaller airplane, not a huge 747. And we're unloading. I don't know, there's maybe 40 of us on that plane. And uh, we're unloading. And, we, and, and it parks the tarmac. And this is not like... You know, you hop down a huge American corridor that, you know, and then you come out of a big old Los Angeles airport. It's you hop down the, the stairs of the plane onto the pavement and then you walk across to get your luggage across just the tarmac. And right, kids, you remember this? They'll never forget it. There are people up against the fence holding louder than that. Almost like, whoa. And they're covered. In, and Papua New Guinea's got a lot of different colors of dirt and stuff like that. So they're covered in bright orange dirt, black, brown, ashes, charcoal, uh, head, arms, clothing. It looks like a music video for like a zombie movie. And they are wailing. And we kind of look back and they're, getting, they're unloading a casket. Uh, traditionally in their culture, you bring that. So this person was from the Highlands, Garoka. They were living in Moresby passed away and now they're flying the body back and that whole village or many of them are there to bring that body back and go through the ritual 
Papua New Guinea, they actually do it pretty well. I think some of it's fake, but they will ball for hours, sometimes days. Seriously. Like it's probably pretty exhausting. And full waterworks. And then they're done. And they'll walk off and they'll talk. Hey, how's your day going? You know, like actually you just shut that thing right down. And but they do it to say, we are with your, we're with the family. We understand, we're gonna agree with you. And uh, I don't think we'd freak people out. We were grabbing fences and doing all that stuff, but they do it. They suffer. When one member suffers, they suffer. And I don't know if they got this from scripture or how that came, you know, obviously came into their history, uh, but they do the opposite too. When one rejoices, they rejoice. And so in our first couple months there, when I didn't know the language, we went to a wedding in this place called Heli Sorrow. We got invited, which was really an honor. We go there and remember they were walking a stick that had a dead pig over it, which is a big deal. They'd slaughtered a pig. So here comes this big ceremony. And somebody from the Nambis, which is their word for the ocean, was marrying a, a, a girl in the mountains. And that's a big deal. So this whole Nambis village rides these long, I'm saying Matatu, that's PMV, sorry. Matatu is the Kenyan word for a, a transportation up into the mountains and then these two cl clans and they're on opposite sides and they're dancing and they're singing and they're doing this and they're all rejoicing whereas we go to a wedding and we sit pretty formal you know and we do that and you know we're not like yeah that's jacob you gotta change it up this is they rejoice. They really do. Like, hey, this is a huge deal for your family. And the clans come together and they present the bride price. And they, you know, the, the chiefs get the, the gig get together and then one more pig. And, you know, they figure all that stuff out. <laughs> and they really rejoice um, together. Go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Point number two. Why should Christians come alongside people? Because it's what body life is all about. It's what being part of the body of Christ is about. Romans chapter 12, verse 15. It says, again, I know, guys, I know I'm just grabbing verses. And there's a lot of context before and after, but it says rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. So maybe just a challenge for you and I, how are we doing in that? Hey, when something really, our pastor, you know, he's, and we're reading the text and I know you guys are praying for him. Uh, you know, he's going through something that's harder. Are we coming alongside to say, Hey, how you doing? How, how you doing mentally as you deal with seeing your dad kind of, that's gotta be hard, right? Your dad being full strength, vigor, and all of a sudden starting to lose a little of some of the capacities and, and some of the health. Um, how are we doing? Are we, are we mourning a lot? Not just like, uh, but just, Hey, how are you doing? Let me come alongside. And, uh, Pastors need it just like the rest of us. So let's rejoice. How are we doing? If somebody, hey, that was a big win for you. Not just a victory in a sport, but like, that was really great. You were able to do this. God, God used you to do this. That's a big win. We want to celebrate that with you. Come along, coming alongside. So it's what the body life's about. I think I can improve. Okay. Number three, and the last one here before we move to some other stuff. It's a reflection of the character of our Lord Jesus to come alongside others. Uh, go to Mark chapter 10. Go back in the Gospels, Mark chapter 10. There's all, <coughs> excuse me, there's all kinds. Matthew, Mark, chapter 10. Kylie, you turning? Yeah, that's right. When dad's up here, he watches. Okay. 
I mean, we literally could have just uh, done a study on Jesus, seeing him, how he came alongside uh, people. But in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, if I didn't say verse 45, he shared with them. I mean, I, and I think he said this very hum, you know, humbly. Verse 45. He's been talking about to, to uh, his disciples about serving others. And he says in verse 45, he says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So he's kind of foreshadowing his death and what it's going to mean. But he's just reminding him, hey, I didn't come here to, to be served. And should he have been served? Yeah. He's the creator, according to Colossians. He's the one that put the world together. Um, probably worthy of, 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 of being served. But he came to serve. And I like to think that the leaders of nations, whether they're kings or presidents or uh, other titles, I like to think that they, that they are in those positions because they want to serve their there are people, but a lot of times there's some corruption that comes alongside that. And sometimes it's not always about serving, but being served. But Jesus had that, that perfect heart that he was there to serve. Okay. Uh, one more with, with Philippians on, in regards to this. Philippians. I told you we're going to move the Bible because unlike Jim, who has the ability to, and Josh and Tim, who have a great ability to elaborate for many, many minutes on a single, sometimes word, uh, the earth man has to cover more ground to keep it rolling. All right. <laughs> Philippians chapter two. And I say that as a compliment to those guys. Philippians chapter two. In verse three. Why, again, point number three. Why should we come alongside others? It's a reflection of the character of Jesus Christ. Point number three. Uh, 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 sorry. Philippians chapter two, verse three. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. That's a, that's a, that's a Bible study all by itself. That's a, that's a hard charge on our, on our own and our flesh. Um, obviously, we're going to need God's help to do that. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, being humble, consider others better than yourselves. Consider others better than yourselves. Look, sometimes that's hard. Quite frankly, if you're better at things, and, and so you guys are better at things than some, some people. Jeff knows how to farm a lot better than I'll ever know. Okay. Um, we had this kid in Papua New Guinea named Parker Stedeker, right? Where did Kale man go? Kale, Parker? What was he like? He was athletic. Any other word you used to describe him? He was. He was the best at any sport we did. Rugby, volleyball, soccer, basketball. Parker played for Numenoy Christian Academy in all those four sports. He was the best athlete in all those four sports. He was a kid from Seattle. His parents were missionaries from Seattle. Can you another word be, besides athletic for Parker? It was encouraging. He was probably the biggest servant on the team. Here's your best athlete with, he was so good. He was a senior. He was so good. Consider others better than yourselves. He never looked at the freshman or sophomore who couldn't do what he could do. He always, hey, you're doing really good. And those other kids, they just rode that wave of Parker's encouragement. I really, I was encouraged by him. It was really fun to watch him. And, uh, we're to, we're to consider better, others better than ourselves. Verse four, each of you should look not only to your own interests, okay, so it's okay, we gotta take care of ourselves to some capacity, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude, here you go. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And if you go on in the, the following verses, we see that Jesus 
he being God could have, could have said, could have grabbed that and said, Hey, rode that. But he, but he, he let go of that. Um, he emptied himself of that. Why? Um, because he sought to, to glorify the father for that time. And he was, he was obedient to the point of death. He was humble. He humbled himself. And, uh, we're, we're given that same charge. Your attitude should be, should be the same. So it's when we come listen, when we come alongside others, it's a reflection of the character of our Lord Jesus. Okay. All right. So when, when you're thinking about coming alongside, okay, Kylie, how old are you? Okay, good. Making sure you remember. Can an 11 year old, I mean, what is an 11, what degrees do you have? What university? Where's your Christian counseling degree from? Look, I, I don't know of anybody, and maybe one, I don't know of any of you that have a Christian or, or secular counseling degree, certainly not the kids. Uh, can we as lay Christians come alongside? And the answer is, yeah, we can. Now, I, now I, by the way, I am a fan of Christian counselors, and my attitude's actually changed a lot over the last 20 years. 20 years ago, I probably said, like, come on, man, read your Bible and see, see what's in there, like, now, uh, we are dealing with some real stuff in our society. Why? I don't know, have all the answers. You could say screens, and maybe that's a large part of it. But they say that this generation, Gen Z, has the highest incidence of suicidal thoughts. Uh, a lot of you, as I look out in here, your, your generation didn't really deal with that. When things were tough, it's like, put some dirt on it, keep moving. And with today's kids, you can't just say, put some dirt on it, <laughs> keep moving. I mean, I'm, I'm being really serious with you. So mental health concerns are real. They're not, they're not fake. They're real. And I don't know why, you know, all of it is. Um, but I think if the church, here's my point. We're not all counselors. I'm not a counselor. But I think if the church, if believers would apply some of the one another's, we could really be helpful. Listen to some of these one another's. This is, these are from the Bible. Admonish one another. Think if we were coming alongside people that are hurting and we were admonishing them. Bear one another's burdens. That's why a lot of people go to counseling. They got burdens that are too heavy to carry on their own. They're really hurting. Okay. Uh, you know, for sure. And those are real burdens, by the way. They're not fake. Build up one another. Think if the church was building up other people. Care for one another. Comfort one another confess your faults to one another think if you did that sometimes we go to see counselors because we're, we're guilty we feel guilty um encourage one another spur on one another i almost want to make a t-shirt that says let's one another one another <laughs> i i just made that uh, that up but i think that could be i think that could be a good shirt like let's do the one another's to one another because that really is, that's, that's some of the huge parts of the Christian life. Okay. I want to take a look at a couple of these one another's and then I want to spend the remainder of the time since Tim said, go to one thirty today. Um, <laughs> I do want to look at my friend Barnabas. Okay. A little bit. Let's go to Galatians chapter two. Galatians chapter two. This is a good verse. Kids, it's okay to take your marker, not your marker, don't use your marker, your Bible pen or a pen or a pencil and to put little things down. 
at, at uh, Jacob, did you see at uh, Catherine's funeral when they were sharing those scriptures on the big screen that the ones they chose were ones that she had underlined? She had put little marks on, which actually kind of like pulled on my heartstrings, right? It wasn't just, it wasn't just the Bible verse. It was a verse that was meaningful to her. And um, that was pretty powerful. But here's a good one, kids, to mark up. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Did I say what I say? Help me out, everybody. Galatians chapter 6. I'm sorry. Thank you, Holland. See, you're coming alongside. You're already helping. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. This is a great verse. <laughs> Kylie, you should put a little circle over that verse 2. Okay, it says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Okay, let's, let's break this one down. Josh, my Greek guy, help me out here. Okay, we all, look, we've all had burdens. Some are big, some are small, some are perceivable only to you. Some are perceivable to a lot of people and they know like, wow, Gary's going through something pretty heavy right now. Okay, um, that word bear though, Josh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, is from the Greek word bastadzo. How would you say it? Oh. It's okay. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's not a spoken language, though. <laughs> that's right. I sounded Italian when I said it there. I don't know if that's correct. <laughs> okay. But that word literally means, and the, the NIV, your Bible may say, uh, may have said bear. The NIV said carry because it's, it's kind of taking a meaning. It means to carry. It means to take up. Or it could even mean, in some cases, that when it's used, to, to take up and carry off, uh, to carry away. Okay. Uh, when I was in college, my twin brother and I, would come home and we'd work every summer. And then because we were in wrestling, we would join a gym every summer. And we switched gyms a couple of times. Well, we would go move weights, which is kind of funny how many times we were moving weights, right? Could have just grabbed rocks probably. But um, we would go, we would join these gym memberships and we'd go in. And, and when we started lifting heavy, my brother would, he'd sometimes have to bastazo that, that weight. You know, you're like, you know, and, there he is, and he's, he's helping me lift that weight up. And uh, we, we would do this all summer, and then we head back to Central, and we go right into the wrestling season, bigger and strong, hopefully bigger and stronger. And uh, on one, maybe, maybe I've said this is a good story. On one particular circumstance, uh, my twin brother was lifting with another friend, Jeremy. Jeremy would sometimes come. He wasn't a wrestler, but he was a buddy of ours. And they're in this weight room. And if you've been in a weight room, a lot of times there's mirrors. And I think it's so the guys can check themselves out a little bit, but it's actually, they're actually there for form. Cause when you're hitting a squat, you know, you want to make sure your form, if you're hitting a, a bicep curl, whatever, they're actually there, not seeing so you go, yeah, that's all right. It's, and so you can, you can be looking at your form as you do some of these lifts. And the other thing that it actually does too, is it makes the, these facilities seem like they're twice as big. So there's some, some marketing appeal you know like helping to sell your gym is bigger than it really is anyways um so my twin brother is lifting and he's back in the he's back on one side of the gym and, and all the way across is the, this wall of mirrors and there's this guy right one of these classic tank top big guns like think spandex bottoms and he's in there and he's doing <laughs> he's doing a bicep curl with a massive amount of weight most of you would be like this yep, and he is he is herking this thing like, Ugh. 
and my twin brother makes a fatal mistake. He, he points at this guy. They're all the way at the other end of the gym. He points and he turns to Jeremy and he goes, look at this guy. Swing with me now. Swing with me. Well, that guy is looking right in the mirror and he sees off his shoulder my brother who's going, swing with me now. You know? And this guy puts that weight down. He marches his spandex right over. He gets right in my twin brother's face. He's red, he, and Bart's like, oh, 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 he's, com he's coming. What do you do? You know, you're like, oh, uh, uh, you know, and he comes right, and he says, he goes, uh, he goes, listen, you and your girlfriend, and, and he talks, he points to my friend Jeremy, your girlfriend, you better step off, and he, he just, he just railed, you know, spits coming in my brother's face, and my brother's like, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. Yeah. it's like a 20-year-old punk, and, uh, and holy cow. That was one of those stories Bart got back and went, you're never going to believe what happened. I was humiliated, but I was scared more than anything, right? This guy was definitely a steroid rager. And um, anyways, all I have to say, okay, sorry, I got off track. Bearing something to carry, to take up, sometimes carry off. Okay, that second word, go back to that verse. Uh, Galatians chapter six. Sorry, that was a fun story. Carry each other's burdens, okay? This burden I, I, I was reading comes from the Greek word, Boros, which means a weight, and it could be it could be a, a literal something heavy, it could be figurative, and a lot of times our weights, by the way, they are they are not literal. Most of us are not walking around with a big you know plate on our back, and you're like, can I help you carry that? Um, but when you put those together, it's the concept of carrying off the weight, carrying the weight off of somebody that somebody's experiencing, and in essence, you're bringing some form of a relief or comfort. Uh, to someone who's in a challenging situation. Are you with me on this? Like, we can do that. So when this kid called and he said, hey, man, I, the sister called, she said, hey, he's, he's really thinking about, he's low, he's, he's depressed, he's at the bottom of the barrel and he's thinking about hurting himself. That's a weight that I can come in and take seriously and not try to say, come on, man, you just, you just get over that thing. But be, hey, hey, I'm gonna listen, I'm just gonna listen. In fact, the first time I just, I basically sat there and went, mm-hmm, yeah, oh. Sorry. Yeah. That was it for like 45 minutes. Session over. Just listen. Just step back and just listen. They're sharing their heart with you. And if you're going to get a chance to share the Lord, like really care. Like, hey, man, I'm sorry. That does hurt. That sounds like that sounds like you're going through a pretty rough spell. And then later, hey, you know what? This may sound crazy, but the thing that's going to bring you hope in this time and in future times is actually um, letting God work in your life. Okay. So we are to carry, so that, that's kind of a non, but we're to carry each other's burdens. And a lot of this is bent inward toward the body of Christ. And it also can be utilized outside the body of Christ. Okay. Um, so uh, we're, you know, I, we could share, like if I was going to do a double service, I would actually step back and say, can you guys share with us so we can encourage each other? What are ways that you, that you had somebody come alongside you? whether it's financial, whether it's spiritual, <laughs> whether it's family, and just listen. Wow, cool. Glad somebody did that for you. Or what are ways that you come alongside people? Well, I know we don't like to pat ourselves on our back, but those are good things. Financial, like we would not have gone to Papua New Guinea had it not been for you guys and, and some others. We just wouldn't have. It wouldn't have. We wouldn't have been able to financially support it. Um, Josh and Faye couldn't be doing that without you guys. 
we've had people give us money from time to time in a little envelope. Hey, here, just felt like the Lord was saying, we're going to help you out with something this week. Uh, you guys have helped Pastor Tim out with things. He's helped us out with things. And I'm always humbled when a pastor or somebody that I know they're doing it for all the right reasons. When Jerry Larson, our friend from Spokane, uh, signed up to give us some money, I told him, I was like, Jerry, five bucks a month would be a huge encouragement in your prayer. No, Ben, I'm doing a hundred a month. It's like, Jerry, you're making like 800. I don't know what he makes, but it wasn't, you know, wasn't a time. But, but humbled. Uh, family burdens. How can you help out? Hey, can I watch your kids? So that you and whoever can, can go out. Hey, uh, can, can I invite your family to do something with our family? Whatever it may be. Spiritual burdens. Can I pray for you? Hey, can, do you want to just go on a walk and you can tell me what's going on and I'll just listen. Uh, I mean, there's so many ways to, to do this in, in your neck of the woods, in your walk of life, okay? To carry those weights. All right, I'm just going to shoot some of these verses out. Romans 12, 10. We're to honor or value others above ourselves. I'm going to shoot these out because I want to look at uh, Barnabas for a minute. Colossians chapter 3, 12 and 13. We're to be kind and gracious to each other. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, we're to encourage one another. Are you encouraging others? It's kind of a gut check. Are you naturally critical, cynical, or are you, are you trying to be an encourager through the help of uh, the Holy Spirit in your life? Hebrews 10.24 and 25, we're to spur on one another toward love and good deeds. We're to keep meeting together, which is really relevant today, especially with this COVID thing and people have kind of been shotgunned out. Uh, we're to keep meeting together so we can encourage each other. Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpen iron. And, um, on that verse in my Bible, I have something like true in wrestling, but even more true because it is true in wrestling. If I can get a, if I can get a, a teammate who's good and tough, they're going to help me get tougher. Uh, but, but I think I wrote something like even more, so, even by far, you know, like way better in the Christian life. Sharp, sharpening each other. Okay, let's take our Bibles and we want to look at this case study as we close out the final 10 minutes or so. Take our Bibles and let's go to Acts chapter 9. Okay, as you're turning to Acts chapter 9, can you help me out? I know this is maybe not normal, but what do you guys know about Barnabas before we look at just a few things about this guy? What do you know about Barnabas? Put a hand up and share something with us. He disappointed Paul. Do you remember how or why? Okay. So a disclaimer before we get going into the good stuff. There's a couple things with Barnabas. Well, number one, on, on the, 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 his first missionary journey with Paul, he brings along Mark, who I think is his cousin. Don't quote me on it. And Mark leaves midway through. And so on a future missionary journey, journey Barnabas is like, hey, let's take Mark again. And Paul's like, that didn't work out too hot the, the last time. So there, there's a little bit of disappointment there. And then there, there's another one more thing in scripture. Barnabas gets corrected because he was kind of aloof with the Gentiles about some of the law stuff. And he had to be corrected. Uh, he had to be corrected about that. I think him and Peter in regards to that. So not a perfect guy, really quick. Shocker, he's a human. But, but a lot of really good things about this guy, for sure. Anybody else, something you know about 
Barnabas, maybe on the positive side of the ledger? He was. He was known for being an encourager. Yeah, cool if you were written about in history like Jeff the Encourager. Okay. Gordon the Cow Elk Slayer. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> And said so that cow up was attacking young children, so you were taking, you were helping out. Uh, my brother and I joke about that. Okay, uh, but something really positive. He, he was known as encourager. And one more thing, one more thing before we get going. Well, maybe you guys don't know much, and this is easy teaching for me. Absolutely, he did when he got corrected, he didn't like. Well, I'm out. You guys are critical. He he was willing to take some of that. Okay, Acts. What I say, chapter nine. Okay, are we ready to focus last 10 minutes? Say yes. yes. There we go. Okay, I gotta get the right notes. Um, so this character, Barnabas, he, he's a guy that comes alongside. Let's pick up the action of verse 20 of Acts chapter nine. Here we go. The preceding stuff, we have this guy named Saul, who Jim mentioned today. He's out there and he's trying to kill Christians trying to persecute him, trying to put him in jail, trying to have his people take him out. And the road to Damascus happens and Saul becomes who? Paul. And uh, so we pick up the action in verse, in verse, uh, look at 19. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Okay. So he's met with Ananias. Ananias took a chance on him and, and uh, was led by the spirit to do so. And it says, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Okay. As we get into verse 20, Look, there's a little bit of debate. Maybe you have it settled in your mind. But Paul goes away and gets trained by the Lord Jesus for sure for three years in Arabia. There's scripture on it. When that happens directly, some people put it right here after verse 19 before 20. Some people put it uh, out 25. Okay. Just here you go. Verse 20. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God. Why? Because Paul met him. I mean, he literally met him and things happen in his life that they cannot be described or walked away or talked off. Okay. So he said, Hey, he's the son of God. He's who he said he was. Verse 21. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, hold on, check that. Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call him this name? Remember he was wreaking havoc in Jerusalem. And that wasn't enough. Let's get out on the road. Let's take this show out to those scattered Christians too. Let's go get those guys. Verse uh, 21, uh, 20 uh, continued. And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to their chief priest? Hey, last time we checked, this guy was going to towns, not to like bring on a Christian revival, but to take people away. Verse 22, yet Saul grew more and more powerful. No, he didn't join a CrossFit gym. This is inner strength, God working in his life and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving, I would like to see that center of some of those lessons by proving that Jesus is the Christ. And in fact, we do get to sit under some of those lessons. We get to read about them, where he proves that Jesus is the Messiah. Okay, first, I got to flip my page, verse 23. Are you following? It says, after many days had gone by, look at this, the Jews conspired to kill him. Man, their culture, they went right to it. We may get annoyed. We may vote against somebody. Uh, these guys want to kill him. So we have a, a complete, what? Role reversal. He was out there killing. Now he's with them. Let's take him out. Wow. 
But Saul, verse 24, learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. Look, there are like seven or eight great escape stories in the Bible. And this would be one of them. And if you made a movie, it'd be really fun to like watch like, okay, let's get him through the wall now. It's a great escape. Okay, looking at the next verses, here we go. Let's meet our, our friend Barnabas. Verse 26, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. Pause, tried to. Hey guys, here I am, it's me. Saul, now I'm Paul. Ah, <laughs> run away. I get it, they were scared. Here he comes, is he, is, he, is he tricking us? We know who this guy is, like we know about him. It's, it's circulating. There's being emails sent, text messages. We know about this guy. He's not on our side. So he tried to join him, which makes me also think this, guys, how, in, how inviting are we when uh, we're dealing with people that aren't Christians, that are even antagonistic, antagonistic, however you say that word, to the faith? How are we? Are we like, run? Or are we like, hey, okay, you got some legitimate concerns. Let's, let's talk about it. But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. Verse 27, here's our guy. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Okay, so here, here's Barnabas. Barnabas sticks his neck out a little bit and says, hey, I'll take you. And I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe some of you know better. Where did they meet? How did that look? But he takes them and he says, hey, guys, I think we need to listen to this. God's worked in his life and we need to, we need to listen to this. We need to, we need to let him be part of the team. And uh, so who is this Barnabas guy? Go to Acts chapter four. Acts chapter four. Verse 32. Kenya, are you flipping? Okay, I'm going to give you, I'm going to let you read this. Okay, you're going to read a little section for us. So speak loudly. Acts chapter 4, verse 32 through 36. Go. Cyprus, yeah. Who is also called Barnabas by the apostles. One more, just go ahead and finish out. And who owned a tract of land, sold it, and brought the merchandise at the cost. Cool. Okay, so we see in this, guys, uh, Barnabas, what was he from birth? What, what tribe is he part of, or was he part of? He's a Levite. So that, that was the tribe member that had all the temple duties, okay? His family had moved to Cyprus, so I'm assuming that they're not doing the temple duties like they were serving in that way. Um, but Paul, uh, Barnabas is going to be the guy that, that heads out with Paul after kind of bringing him into that inner circle we saw there 
down the road in Acts, that's going to go with him. He's going to go with him. And it says here that he, what's his real name, by the way? Joseph. Uh, it says that he was called the, uh, Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And I think that as you read the other accounts, I'll kind of wrap this thing up here in a column. As you read the other uh, scriptures around Barnabas, you see him multiple times kind of being an encourager, kind of come alongside. He's an early church leader and uh, he's an encourager. And I got to tell you, having spent a little bit of time in the mission field, not a lot, man, you appreciate those encouragers because it's hard. So you can picture Paul and Barnabas flip there and we'll just look at a couple things and we'll wrap this up. Go to, uh, go to Acts chapter 13. So after, after the, <laughs> the inner group accepts him in, Paul and Barnabas are going to go out. We'll just look at this again. I had other stuff, but we'll, we'll wrap it here. Acts chapter 13. It says verse one. It says in the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers Barnabas, okay, again, he's one of our early church leaders. Uh, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of uh, Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. So there's, what, five leaders? While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me. So God's the one that sets them apart. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And so as you continue to read these, these uh, verses from like chapter, verse 13 of that chapter on, you, you start to set out on this missionary journey. And I, I just was thinking about this. Here, here goes Paul. And man, do we appreciate Paul? Yeah, because a lot of our New Testament comes from the truths that God uh, spoke through him, penned through him. And he's got this encourager next to him. So when they go in these towns, and Paul gets his teeth kicked in or stoned to the point of death. Barnabas is he's there. You know, picks him up. Where are we going next? And I'm sure that they had highs and I'm sure that they had lows. And there were some great highs. There's some times where they they fearlessly, and, and by the way, what are they what are they presenting to people? A lot of it, if you look at chapter 13, they're presenting a resurrection. They're saying he's real, he's the Messiah, he's not dead, he's alive. And I bet you Barnabas is right there and he's walking alongside and he's encouraging Paul. And, and in fact, I don't know if this is true or not, maybe Josh or Jim, you know, but early on it says Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul. And one thing I was reading, they said that they typically put the higher head name first, followed by the secondary. And by the time you get to the end, it's, it's kind of switched. And now it's Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas are going to these places. And I just think that Barnabas, having been in that church scene a little longer, a little more time in, in, in the faith in Paul. Uh, but, but then Paul gets trained by the Lord. I think that Barnabas was just that guy that came alongside and encouraged. So here's my closing thought. I want you to listen and get this. My kids, especially. Kale, especially. Here we go, Kale. There it is. Guys, we can all be, we, we don't have to be a Barnabas. I don't, we don't read the Bible and go, okay, how can I be a David today? But we can learn from some of these people in the Bible. And Barnabas is one of these guys who was known as an encourager. And my, my challenge for you this week is this, not trying to do it on your own strength, but just look at your life, look at where God has you and say, how can I be an encouragement to somebody this week? And it could simply be, hey, Pastor Tim, you know, on a Sunday, thanks for that message. I, re I really appreciated that, this part of it. Do, do we do that enough? A lot of times I sit in here and, 
and maybe go downstairs or, or, Hey, Susan, thanks for, thanks for reaching out to me last week. You know, I really appreciate that. How can we come alongside and encourage each other? Because uh, it's part of the Christian life. It's a way to love. It's the heartbeat of being in Christ. And we've got to see a great model in our Lord. Let's pray and we'll go out throughout the rest of our day. All right, Father God, we thank you. Thank you for your scriptures that encourage us to, to be those that are doing the one another's, bearing one another's burdens, coming alongside one another, encouraging one another, admonishing one another, um, and so on and so forth. Uh, Father, would you help me? I know I'm not perfect at any of these things, and I want to grow in all these things. Would you help each of us to look? Just you've planted us in life. You've given us uh, each a space to, to do that, to come alongside and to encourage. Would you help us through the, uh, through the work of your spirit in our life? We realize that a lot of these things are going to be dependent on us uh, being spiritual, resting, abiding in Christ so that the Holy Spirit can then produce love, joy, on and on and on, long-suffering, kindness, mercy, and so we, we realize it's not about us just kind of putting on our A game. It's about you working through us. Uh, but Father, thank you for each one in here. We continue to pray for our pastor and his wife as they come alongside their family and they help at this time that you'd encourage them through that work as well. Uh, we uh, lift up uh, the meal ahead and the time of fellowship. We thank you for it. Amen. You bet. Thank you.